0: Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death.
1: welcome to Mort Mike, a down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And I'm Red, and we are your corpse capitalists this episode.
0: The concept of using the dead for various, in quotation marks, consumables is something we see in pop culture all the time. The novel Perfume, which in itself has spawned many film adaptations, explores the story of a man with an otherworldly sense of smell who creates perfumes from the recently deceased, which, of course, he comes by in less than legal means. And we'd, of course, be remiss to leave Sweeney Todd unmentioned, the penny-dreadful-turned-play movie and beyond, a butchering barber whose trophies are baked into meat pies by the accomplice Miss Lovett, There's a huge human fascination in the desecration of a corpse in general. Especially in modern times, it can feel to us a crime on par with the murder that brought it to be in the first place. So it's no surprise that it's a rubbernecking topic. Apologies to the armchair detectives out there, but today's episode is going to take a different fork in the road. We're not a true crime podcast, and we won't be speaking about the use of the dead for commodities such as products of murder. There are plenty of other pods that discuss, like Jeffrey Dahmer and Asai Sagawa and the like, that do a great job of cataloging famous instances of this brand
1: of murderer. That's right. Today's focus is on the different usages throughout time of human remains for various purposes. And yes, fret not, morbid listeners, we're still going to be talking about cannibalism just because there's quite a lot to discuss there. But we won't be mentioning um, organ donation as we plan on doing a standalone episode on that eventually. So our first stop on this journey is something that a few of you may have heard of, um, Uh, specifically the medicinal applications of the deceased. Um, It should come as no surprise that dead bodies were and still are used for medicines um, throughout time for anything and everything. Um, Almost it it all has been uh, tried to cure something or another. Uh, We all know that the history of medicine has honestly just been kind of a let's throw this at the wall and see what sticks uh, type of situation um so i'm I'm sure you know the the this uh this idea has carried over to deceased bodies and and human remains
0: and boy, howdy does it. <laughs> so you find yourself with a wound that just won't heal or a broken bone. How about some human candy to fix what ails you? A few cultures in the days of yore employed mummies, saturated in honey as a medicine, and this was otherwise known as mellified man. Optimally, this person would be in the throes of dying, and they would will their future corpse to this practice. They would begin to eat nothing but honey before death, and then once passed on, they would be steeped in honey inside of a stone coffin or sarcophagus. After years of this mummification, the sweet treat would be sold for a high price tag at market as a remedy.
1: Oh my gosh, I don't know about that (laughs) guy. That sounds... It's so, what didn't the body like <laughs> decompose in the honey?
0: So, it's a good question. So, um with honey having like antibacterial properties, it it doesn't sound like too far-fetched. But I will say this process was just mostly speculation from like old medical texts, mm-hmm. like uh, no remnants of any mellified men were found on any digs by like archaeologists, but just all going on hearsay from like, and then, but I will say it was multiple texts that uh, gave this like recipe um, for a mellified man. So I doubt that they would write it down if it wasn't tried at least once or twice.
1: Yeah, you know, when it comes to medical history, uh, there's a lot of great podcasts out there. But what you'll quickly learn is that old timey people are crazy and they will do <laughs> anything that they feel like. So uh, this kind of tracks, but uh, I, I would not partake.
0: No, I'm looking at Pliny the Elder on this one. If Sawbones <laughs> has taught me anything, it's Pliny the Elder is just absolutely buck wild.
1: And <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't trust anything that old man says in the street corner. <laughs> Um, so if human baklava is not your forte, perhaps um, some other mummified remains will tickle your palate. Mummified remains became a popular antidote uh, to many illnesses and pains, um all due to clerical error. So a misinterpretation of a translation of the uh, bitumen or asphalt which was used as medicine, um, started the whole farce. So bitumen translated into uh, mamiya, which people misunderstood as mummy. Um, The black tari consistency of ancient embalming practices furthered this line of thinking um, as opposed to asphalt. And uh, bam, some people started powdering mummies into medicines (laughs) instead of the intended (laughs) uh, asphalt.
0: Which is like, I mean, I I get it. They're not like reaching too far, but I don't know. Like, first off, asphalt sounds like crazy as a as a medical application. But then someone being like, yeah, 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 no, 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 it's right here. It says mummy right here. Like, <laughs> would that not throw up red flags at all? Like to yeah, anybody?
1: <laughs> we need just one person to be like, guys, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Mummies? Okay. Like uh who where is the voice of reason in this?
0: Seriously. Like none of these people went to any type of school. I want to see that degree, man. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Um, actually a Frenchman finally caught the mistake and he called out the substance for, for what it was, which is placebo at best and a health risk at worst. Uh please do not ingest uh mummified human remains, guys. Um, but the damage was already done. For hundreds of years, tombs were raided, bodies desecrated, and history is wiped away just to get these, you know, amazing mummified cure-all solutions. It took some time
0: before mummies finally stopped being prescribed to heal internal and external bleeding fractures. Um, they even used it as an aphrodisiac. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that before. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm, dead Evan, bodies. Evan puts me in the mood vibes <laughs> <turned on.
1: laughs> No oy, again.
0: Oy. But the mummy mania was far from over. The disinterest in the medical field gave way to mummy unwrapping parties during the Victorian era. This was no longer for science. Uh, the rich just flaunted their coin purses by being able to say, Oh, Arthur, if you and Lillian find yourself in the doldrums on the morrow, come by me and the missus. We'll be having the most delightful of indulgent affairs. You see, we have obtained a mummy. (laughs) I did not practice that
1: before this. I'll have you know. (laughs) I'm impressed. Seriously, though, I mean, they had to do something for entertainment, I guess. I guess.
0: Things must have been pretty boring back in the day. This is what happens before the invention of television, I suppose.
1: (laughs) Um, Thankfully, the favor of historical preservation finally knocked some sense into these macabre gawkers. And after a century, um, maybe due to the influence of the mummy's curse, these people kind of got scared out of these unwrapping parties and things like this
0: thank goodness honestly (laughs) like history definitely thanks thanks this because we wouldn't have like half of what we have today in museums if we didn't stop doing this kind of crazy stuff and there we're already
1: missing so much of history
0: because of these these practices
1: um this next thing that we're going to talk about i actually uh have some opinions on because it is something that kind of still happens today um we're going to talk about um specifically we're talking about um the consumption of aborted fetuses um or also placentas mm-hmm. and um specifically the Chinese tai bao pills is is how they're known I think. Mm-hmm. Um so we talk about this book really regularly um stiff by Mary Roach but she did a little study um for her for her book there. So you you've probably heard of you know mothers um, you know giving birth and placing the placenta, which the placenta is an organ that your body creates on the inside of your uterus, and it helps supply the fetus with all the nutrients it needs. The umbilical cord is attached to the placenta, and then the placenta is absorbing the nutrients through your uterus, giving it to the baby, and then vice versa. Um, so basically, it's this big round red purple bloody organ that your body produces and you pass it when you give birth it, it comes out on its own usually um and what a lot of people do due to whatever sort of like fad that happened or whatever sort of um um you know medical practice that we're going to talk about in shortly um people will eat the placenta for whatever health benefits that you know people say that it has. Um, There have been no real, you know, concrete studies done on if the placenta is nutritious, if you should eat it. Um, A lot of people will also encapsulate their placenta, which they will like dry it and like make it into this powder and put it in these like little capsules like pills and Mm -hmm. and eat it that way. Um, There is no science behind this. And more often than not, um, it actually harms more than it um, more than it does good. The placenta is a really important organ to look at, especially if your baby is sick or if your baby is born with any defects or any abnormalities. Um, the pathology department has to look at your placenta and make sure that everything happened okay during pregnancy. If you take it home and eat it, this cannot happen, and mm-hmm. you know it could it could be really dangerous for your baby.
0: Unfortunately, I couldn't find any recent entries in the internet uh, to confirm the specific Tai Bao pills, which in itself is the actual aborted fetus um, Mm. that they would make into like these medication pills or whatever. Um, But I I did find some sites that were selling these pills. I could not read them. They were not in a language that I understood. (laughs) Um, But unfortunately, even in like the little pictures that did have uh, the pictures of like the the pill container um, that were in English. uh, It did not say right on the side in easy (laughs) to read print contains fetal remains. So I could not confirm whether or not that's what was in those pills. But um, I, I, I can imagine after this craze, there were probably some laws put into place, but I I got blessed be I really could not find any more on this and I was so fascinated after reading that in stiff like I'm like oh my god this has to be like there's got to be something about this on the internet still there's got to be some type of weird circulation still but no no dice on that
1: yeah I mean it's such a highly contentious topic already And I will point out when we do talk about aborted fetal remains, um, you know, miscarriages and um, any sort of like natural process that happens um, also causes, you know, abortion. So it's not like these people are choosing to abort their babies and making them into pills. Uh, I'm assuming, at least in China, I am not sure, but definitely not in America is definitely illegal. Um, but when we say the word aborted, we mean just any natural process where the baby is exiting the uterus before it's born.
0: Yes. Thank you for that clarification. That is a very important yeah. to make.
1: <laughs> yes. It's a medical term, not a political term in this context.
0: And there's all sorts of instances throughout history of corpse medicines, um, besides the ones that we mentioned, and just to list off a few other uh, ones that, gosh, we could be here all day talking about them. Um, Powdered skull in tinctures for head ailments, fat-soaked bandages for wounds or gout, blood from the recently executed for vitality. The list really does go on and on and on. And uh, fortunately, since then, we've moved on from unwilling pre participants
1: in modern medicine to scientifically donated organ donors. Yeah, thank goodness. I uh, <laughs> The use of uh, human remains as medicine is really not um, something that I recommend or something that I ever want to have happen to me. I don't want someone's gross fat on my bandages and my wounds. <laughs> Ugh.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very uh, happy that, you know, during my daytime television watching, I'm not getting, you know, advertisements for medications that are of the human remains. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, another uh, topic that kind of went hand in hand with medicine um, until more modern times is the use of human remains um, through religion. Uh, so, human history is fraught with the utilization and memorialization of relics. Uh, Buddhism, Islam, and of course, Christianity and others. Uh, relics took many forms from the clothing and personal items of venerated religious figureheads to their literal skin. Mm. <laughs> Tasty. <laughs> i don't think they used it like that did they (laughs) no oh god (laughs) we're already getting into
0: cannibalism just kidding as the saints and holy people were as close as possible that humanity could ever come to their god so their belongings and their bodies were heavily prized due to this especially in christianity mainly what we'll be describing in the uh, facts to follow there are many stories and biblical passages mentioning the healing of the sick or miracles happening after, say, touching Jesus's robe. So this line of thinking carried through to have these sacred relics available to the public for their continued assistance after the person died.
1: So these relics were not worshipped. As in Christianity, there's only one true God, and you cannot worship anything else, really, even if they're just clothes. Um, but they are thought to tap into the holiness of the figure who held them, so they're displayed in you know a bunch of religious historical buildings such as cathedrals you know throughout the the world and um they they are kind of there to act as a i guess like a phone line into heaven <laughs> they're just you know they're connected to God, and if you look at them, you'll have this feeling of holiness about you. Moshi Moshi, Jesus does. (laughs) (laughs) I was raised Catholic. I know all about
0: this. It was nice uh, in the respect that instead of people having to pilgrimage to a specific cemetery or church to visit, the whole remains of a saint, uh, the relics were able to be spread far and wide and used by many more believers. In uh, in olden times, this actually made the economy boom for specific cities, uh, bringing people from all over to spend coin at the businesses surrounding the location of the relics, and the churches even raked in their share of the profits. But where there's money to be made, of course there's going to be shady goings on.
1: Yeah, uh, cover your ears uh people that don't <laughs> want to believe that the church is bad. <laughs> the historic church and and maybe the modern <laughs> church. <laughs> but you know, that's my opinion. That's not here nor there. Um so there became competition to get um some um to get their hands on star holy relics. Uh churches would try to popular popularize their own saints. So when the time came to piece them up, uh, more people would flock to see them. Sometimes there were guards appointed to watch over their dying um, saints and people of high status uh, so they wouldn't be dismembered by unapproved parties. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, from that statement, you could also uh, kind of assume that the saints were in danger of being murdered for their relic potential. Um, Of course... Counterfeiters had a field day, but before there was any sort of, you know, certificate of authenticity for, you know, dead body parts, uh, you could sell your own just randomly obtained body parts um, as a fragment of St. What's-His-Names, like a prayer (laughs) scarf or even some, some, some just random items that you could slap a name on. Uh, After extensive collaboration and corroboration, it was found that some of the saints even had three arms or a few heads.
0: (laughs) I am really happy that they uh, got some type of system in place for for this because that's just wild to me to think that there is like just a body part uh, in in a reliquarium somewhere out of the church that people have been worshiping and it's just some dude, like just some guy, like not even the saint, like...
1: Yeah, just some guy, just some stinky guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Relics take the form of hair, blood, skin, limbs, fingernails, cremated remains, fully mummified heads, whatever they could piece out. I mean, not even things that were not nailed down. Like they would take it all. I even saw an unfortunately disapproved relic of <laughs> Jesus's foreskin, which is a true
1: shame. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, I i don't know about that one. I'm just like, okay, that's just some guy's quote unquote <laughs> foreskin. Uh which is literally just a piece of skin, so I don't know if it would look like anything, but right. yikes.
0: I <laughs> also who's worshiping that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't worship it. What's your god? What's your god, Red?
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: So actually, the, uh, the first funeral home I worked for helped with the disinterment of a local religious figure for the purpose of relic gathering. Um, this wow. father was previously venerated and uh, was now being beatified uh, with the hopes that he would eventually be canonized. There's like a whole like chain of, <laughs> I guess, like ascension through the Catholic ranks mm-hmm. uh, I had to learn a lot about for this episode. Um, But during this beatification, he was deemed available for public veneration, which meant it was relic harvesting time. (laughs) Church officials and medical examiners were present for this process. His hair, bone, and clothes were placed into vials that were sent off to Rome for cataloging, authentication, and then later distribution. The medical examiners actually said he looked pretty great for being 60 years dead.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's impressive.
0: Yeah. And apparently uh, this father's barbers even saved some of his hair before he died, anticipating that this veneration would happen. So they would have these relics. Wow. I, I think that's absolutely wild. Like, mm-hmm. You're just going to keep some dude's hair. I don't know. I, it's not, it's not for me. Um,
1: doesn't mean it's wrong. I think it's yeah. kind of messy. It, <laughs> is, it is so interesting though, because the one of the main facets of the Catholic church is that the desecration of a body is like an Big big old sin. Right, it yeah. is like a huge sin to do anything uh, to a body. Uh, up until recently, and recently, I mean, in modern times, uh, you couldn't be cremated because it, it was a sin, and you couldn't burn your body after death. Um, so that's just interesting that even in the olden times, they were like, yeah, just hack off his arm and throw it to the next church down the street. Like, that's fine.
0: Yeah, seriously. Like they finally allowed cremation and they still frown upon the splitting up of the cremated remains of somebody. So like mm-hmm. the fact that you would, it would be just like, yeah, yeah, it's just peace him out, peace him out. Let everybody have a piece. Like, oh. Phew. I don't get the the line of logic. Um, I guess it's not for (laughs) me to understand. (laughs) Exactly. And we'll leave it at that. Maybe if I ascend to Popehood someday, the the secrets will be revealed to me. (laughs)
1: Now, Red, let's not get ahead of ourselves. (laughs) So departing from the church, uh, there are still uh, people out there gathering human remains and selling them for whatever profit without any sort of authentication. However, uh, not for the use of relic, um, uh, holy, holy, what's the word I want to use? Not for the use of relics, uh, but for the use of just uh, morbid curiosity and oddity collectors. Um there are plenty of morbid collectors out there who love to have all sorts of strange things adorning their shelves myself included. Uh that makes frames. two of us. <laughs> two peas in a pod <laughs> on that one. Uh, for example, some framed pinned bug exoskeletons, jarred animal carcasses and preservative chemicals. And of course, bones, 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 bones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are these shops popping up all over the place. There's literally one down the street from me uh, where I sit right now. And there's a huge online market for uh, human remains as well. Um, now, is this legal though?
0: Well, yes, actually, in the U.S., there is no law against selling or owning human remains unless they are Native American, for good reason, for very good reason. (laughs) Um, There are some states with gray areas about it, but this is something that's not really enforced. This doesn't mean you can have your loved ones full bones after they die. Just gonna nip that one in the bud right there because <laughs> this actually uh, verges into abuse of a corpse, but if the bones already exist by a private seller, you can absolutely buy them legally
1: um so a lot of bones in circulation in this you know market quote unquote have been imported from India and China throughout the years um, and getting human bones from over from overseas can call into question a lot of uh, ethics. Many of these countries have outlawed the bone trade uh, for a very good reason. Um, You know, murder and stealing uh, come to mind. Um, A lot of bones in circulation are actually also considered medical grade. Uh, These are bones that were donated scientifically, either, you know, way back in the day when the donation process was a little different. And they have become medical uh, and anatomical and educational specimens um, that, you know, either have been in circulation for a while or have this you know sort of medical educational purpose now they're not just uh random bones floating around
0: and that is uh, actually where my skull in my collection has come from it is mm-hmm. a medical and educational skull that's what i tell any of the cops that come to my door <laughs> <laughs> shrunken heads are actually also part of this concern There was a spike in popularity for these um, in the early 1900s. Uh, Southern American peoples were being murdered, uh, or corpses from morgues were being defiled to fill orders for these collectibles for Westerners. This practice has been kiboshed, fortunately. Even some museums have removed shrunken head exhibits and uh, repertrated them back to home countries, which is... A little uplifting. It's nice to see these good changes.
1: A a wholesome end to a weird, terrible story. Right. (laughs) Shrugging heads are very odd and, um, you know, do not belong uh, in a museum in America. Bad history. (laughs) A very bad history.
0: Hmm. It's always important to look up the source of your bones. There are plenty of companies that sell within the U.S. that came by their skeletons by correct means. Not all private sellers now are murderers and frauds. Um, Sometimes bones have been in families for generations. Just don't expect to find a true seller on like eBay, Etsy, or even Facebook Marketplace. Mm. Many online sales, many online sale fronts have banned this practice, and it is crucial to read the fine print of a listing.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Actually a sidebar. I just joined a Facebook group that like sells like oddities and like medical bones and stuff like that. And definitely some of the posts I'm like, where did you get this? (laughs) Yeah. Super sketch.
0: And like, I know, I mean, I I guess like when I said that it's like, you just can't exchange money on Facebook for it. You can definitely advertise, but it's like, not, you can't like, they won't let you buy things from there. But yeah, like Mm. when I go on Facebook or sorry, eBay for it. Yeah. When you go into the fine print, like, no, it's, you can tell that they they don't put it in the title well and it's just like no no no, no. this is this is fake this is not real bones and i yeah. or i don't
1: trust where you got your bones <laughs> yeah and of course our last stop on the line is good old-fashioned cannibalism uh we-, <laughs> <laughs> uh we honestly could have just done one whole episode on cannibalism um it's it has a very extensive uh, part of human history
0: We've had many survivor's guilt-type events in history, like in pirate times, where those lost at sea had to draw straws, Um, when the infamous Donner Party, heading out west uh, to the coast, got snowed in on their journey and had to make some rather tough decisions, and when passengers of Flight 571 crashed in the Andes Mountains and resorted to Long Pig because it became necessary after a two-month stranded
1: trip. Uh, Starvation due to historical events has also led to cannibalism. During World War II, the two-year siege of Leningrad left people with little to no resources um, and little to no food. Uh, The rationed quarter pound of bread a day was not cutting it for a lot of people, especially since it was mixed with sawdust. Uh, Crunchy. uh, (laughs) Crunchy. Animals of all kinds, even of the domestic variety, uh, began to be eaten, and then it was on to people. Um, Dead bodies during this siege were the only um, flourishing resource. About 1.5 million people died as a result of the war or from starvation.
0: On a slightly lighter note, some cultures would eat their dearly departed out of love and respect— the Foray peoples of Papua New Guinea once practiced ritual ritual cannibalism for some of their dead, protecting their loved ones from rotting, from insects, and dangerous spirits. And back to the dark note, um, there was a huge outbreak of kuru in their community due to eating the brains of the dead that had prion proteins in them, which caused like a thousand deaths. So think like a CJD, mad cow disease, those type of prion diseases.
1: Mhm. Yeah, there's a reason why we don't eat uh human bodies, guys. It's not just because it's gross and icky. <laughs> uh it's not safe for anyone involved. Um there have been a couple myths surrounding um, you know, cannibalism and also just the general use of human remains um throughout history. Every few
0: years, um, I've seen it myself, you know, it's just the clickbaity titles. Um, The rumor pops up that uh, Japan has opened a restaurant serving human remains and you can go and get a flank steak from a person or you know whatever whatever have you and it always uh is titled with like different cheesy names like the good neighbor edible brother that kind of thing um edible brother yeah yeah.
1: the translation is a little loose that's so My
0: partner was so devastated to hear this when I told him because he had brought it up to me a while back and was like, oh, my God, we got to when we tr- plan our future trip to the pan, we have to we have to go there. And I'm like, baby, I got I got bad news. <laughs> you are not going to get to try human remains, and not, especially not in Japan. So it's I, I guess a bummer for some probably a relief for a lot of other people. But no, yeah. Japan does
1: not have any human meat serving restaurants. I was gonna say, this is kind of a, um, definitely something that people in the death industry talk about. Um, it's, it's, are you on the side of, would you eat a person if you had to ever? Or would you never eat a person even if your life depended on it? And it's, there's no gray area really.
0: (laughs) No, there's really not. This is a very divisive question, more so than anything else in the funeral
1: industry. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, there's also a rumor cropped up for both world wars about soldiers and prisoners being used to make soap during fat shortages, like the, the fat from these soldiers and prisoners. Um, evidence quote unquote was even submitted at the Nuremberg trials about it. Um, however, this is a misunderstanding of the font used to advertise German soap and other various rumors spread to scare Holocaust victims um or originated this myth. Um, I mean, if you kind of think about it, if you're a soldier or a prisoner in like the world wars, you probably don't have a lot of fat on your body, just saying
0: <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's a <laughs> <And> good point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> even the soap has been analyzed and the returned results uh have no human DNA. So that one's a wash. A wash? A wash dam, really? So So today we just talked about a few ways um, that human remains were utilized, whether it was appropriately or unappropriately, especially back in the olden times. It's really interesting to think about what happens to your body after you die. You know, I I think a lot of us have a a general idea of, oh, I'm going to be cremated, or I want to be pressed into a diamond, or I want to be uh alkaline hydrolyzed you know cool stuff like that i i don't think we have to worry anymore about our skulls being stolen or our foreskins being <laughs> worshiped um or any of that other weird stuff that we talked about thank goodness there's a lot of laws in place
0: nowadays to to protect corpses and their families so this is this is
1: very good news for the modern dead body <laughs> Although I think it's it's still important to be aware that, you know, there, since this practice has happened in the past, you know, there are items in circulation kind of going around where maybe the ethics of obtaining said item was not entirely great. Um, like Red said before, just be careful about what you buy and what you obtain. Um, it, it could be it really just bad for everyone involved.
0: Definitely. I think that is a very good takeaway from today's episode. <laughs> but that's going to be it for this week on Mortmike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials, so like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Nike Podcast. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback, so please tell us what you think in a comment and drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site that you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear about or burning questions
1: you might have about death, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marson for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his Bandcamp at MarcinMusic.Bandcamp.com. Thank you, Marson, And be sure to tune in the first Thursday of every month for
0: more casual discussions on death. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye.